Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM. This is Roz, and I am back and better than ever. Due to some technical difficulties in Chicago, I feel like, by the way, I'm a PA announcement right now talking about technical difficulties, but Wits won't be on the show this week. It was a tough time. One of the mics just blew out in Chicago, so we were unable to do the cross-country radio show. So it's just going to be me here, Roz, in Los Angeles, bringing you college basketball today, because let's be real. we got Selection Sunday tomorrow. We've got March Madness the preceding week. It's really the college basketball time of year. So I'm super excited. I'm really going to have to go Colin Coward on this for 45 minutes, so we're going to absolutely try to do our best. But before we get into college basketball, I thought I'd kind of give a quick rundown of what else is going on in sports. I mean, we're almost under 20 days away from the start of Major League Baseball. I mean, who couldn't be more excited than I am and every single baseball fan in the United States? We got pitchers and catchers really getting in their groove. We saw you, Darvish, really kind of starting to show what he might have to offer for the Cubs. He got a nice two innings with only two hits allowed. I think that he really has something to prove after that poor World Series performance, and those are the type of players I like to invest in right there. The guys who struggled somewhere and need to prove themselves and make sure that their career really does continue to flourish. So I think you, Darvish is going to be the guy this year. We're going to hop out of ba- or we're going to hop out of baseball here in a second. Talk hockey. Hockey is headed down the playoff stretch. We know that the Blue Jackets are on the bubble, and that's pretty much all I know just because I live with two guys who like the Blue Jackets, so that was talking hockey. NFL, a little bit more exciting. Right now, the NFL, it's heading into free agency. We've got trades going like crazy. Los Angeles Rams, they don't know who they want to keep, who they want to bring in. They just acquired Akeem Tlaib earlier this week to go along with Marcus Peters in their backfield, also in defensive backfield. Also, they've signed Sam Shields. Let me put that out there in the universe. Sam Shields, former Green Bay Packer cornerback, was one of our better cornerbacks until concussion issues and neck issues came into play in which the Packers didn't want to continue to have him on the field due to the risk to his body. But Sam Shields, he signed with the Los Angeles Rams. So you know what? He will be back on the field. Probably be the third guy there, Tremaine Johnson, who they were looking at the franchise tag. They were looking to bring back to the team. They're unfortunately not going to be doing that. He's going to be going off in free agency. Hey, Green Bay Packers, pay attention to that. Maybe we sign Tremaine Johnson to our defensive backfield. But it, it should be an interesting offseason in terms of trades, in terms of free agent signings and everything. I know that in the NFL, trades isn't really the big way of acquiring a player. I mean, you don't hear a whole lot about big trades, but the Rams have really made a point this offseason to kind of go out and 
develop their defense, make sure that they're better. They traded away Alex Ogletree, the New York Giants. Lots going, a lot of shaking and bacon's going on. And for the first time in a long time, because for most of my life, Ted Thompson has been in control or at the helm when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. The Packers look to be aggressive, this free agency. New general manager in there. He's already talking to Mohamed Wilkerson, who the Jets let go. 28-year-old defensive end. I'm pretty excited about that. Last time he was with Mike Pettin, who was our new defensive coordinator. He had 10 and 12 and a half sacks in the two preceding years. So I'm very excited about the potential for the Packers to go out and sign a big-time defensive end player like him. I think the Packers are really going to try to make a move. I know that every time we talk NFL, I somehow end up in a huge tangent about the Packers, but I'm feeling good. I think everything is going to come to terms. We know Kirk Cousins is on the market, and he's kind of narrowed his list down. And two of the interesting ones, I think, are the Broncos and the Jets, because with the Jets, that's going to take away a draft slot. And obviously, the draft is coming up. There's obviously talk that the quarterback class is absolutely massive, that there are going to be the potential for five quarterbacks being taken in the first round, if not more. So the Jets, if they were able to land Kirk Cousins, I think that'd be interesting. I think that makes that team... Competitive, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. I don't think they're they're bottom tier to me right now. There's a couple of NFL teams who are just absolutely bottom tier, and one of them happens to be the New York Jets. I think Kirk Cousins has really proved himself. I mean, you have to understand that there was a time where he was just going to be a backup. They drafted him the same year that they drafted Robert Griffin. Robert Griffin looked good on his way to winning Rookie of the Year, and then Robert Griffin crapped out, and I haven't heard from him since. But Kirk Cousins really taking what he got and proved it, and I think this is another opportunity for him to prove to another team, hey, they weren't treating me with respect in Washington. They kept tagging me, but I'm ready. Give me a full-on contract. Let me be your franchise quarterback from here on out. And I think that's Denver. I think Denver needs to capitalize on that. John Elway should know exactly what it's like to have a quarterback of his standard or caliber. So I think Denver at the end of the day is going to win this one out and find Kirk Cousin in there uh, behind or under center. So what that, why I'm going to circle back and bring this back to the Packers is that'll be a key thing. Aaron Rodgers almost up for a contract extension or a new contract. And based on Kirk Cousins and the money he's going to get due to the money that is just constantly flying off the board for these quarterbacks, it might set the president for, or precedent. precedent. I'm going to mess up that word over and over again, so I'm going to leave it. But Aaron Rodgers could get the biggest contract in NFL football or NFL history. And so that'll be exciting to see. I don't think that hurts the Packers. Obviously, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing having a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. So I'm very excited to see how that all pans out. I'm very excited to see how the offseason pans out next week. I know it's March Madness, but next week is really the official start of the NFL season. Other news in sports, Tiger Woods is three off the lead um, as of Thursday or Friday morning, since this is when we obviously are recording the show. Tiger Woods, I got, I got I got to give it to him. I don't think he's winning majors. I've made that point over and over and over and over again. But I, I'm impressed with what he's doing. I'm impressed that he's coming tournament to tournament, ready to play the game and really to uh, compete at his level. I mean, it's unbelievable because since 2009, I just thought it was a, it was a dead act. I didn't think there was anything coming from it. I thought Tiger Woods was most for sure done. But now he's starting to swing the clubs. He's starting to look better. I mean, he's obviously looking better than Jordan Spieth, who was plus five coming into Friday having one of the worst putting averages on the tour currently to start the season. Rory obviously continuing to be in a slump. When, when are we going to have the conversation about Rory maybe being done? I mean, obviously he's so much younger than Tiger Woods. He's so much younger than Phil. But he's he's not winning. He's just not even competing. It's been a year or two, and he just doesn't look – he looks like a shell of himself, to be honest. And 
that could be harsh on my end. I mean, obviously I'm team Ricky and I, I will go all out for Ricky's first major. I'm ready for him to take it this year. I'm probably going to bet on him every single major, but Rory, I, I just don't know. I honestly, God, don't know what's going on with him. It's, it's a uh, mind boggling because of the pure talent he has, the ability for him to win majors, which he's done in the past. Like, that needs to come back. That needs to shine because I think when he's competitive, it makes the rest of the golf world competitive as well. And I think that it's always fun to see. I'd love to see a pl- like who doesn't want to see a playoff between like Rory and Spieth at some point. Like in the Masters crunch time, it's like back to back playoffs. You keep going and going. And I, I just honestly got that's what I'm looking for as a golf fan. That would be one of the most incredible things of all time. Maybe even throw Bill Haas in there. Who knows? Just get three players in there. But um, that's that was talking golf. Obviously, the NBA is the NBA right now. <laughs> Isaiah Thomas with the most crucial loss. I mean, not crucial, but one of the most embarrassing losses of all time. They're up against the Trailblazers by like eight points, losing their lead, losing their lead. Isaiah Thomas trying to take shot after shot after shot, <clears throat> and it comes down to the final possession of the game, and Isaiah Thomas dribbles it off his foot to lo- and gives the ball back to the Trailblazers. His career, <clears throat> to me, is really just... Porous. I saw the stats. I mean, without Brad Stevens, he really isn't that much of an impact player. They need to not flirt with this idea. They need to keep it in Lonzo's hand, who won the Lakers eight games in a row coming back off injury. I think Lonzo is really developing in a player that I've been talking about, Wits has been talking about, and the player that LeBron's going to want to play with ultimately in Los Angeles. That's all the time we have this segment, everybody. This is Roz here at the Sporting Edge. We'll be back with all college basketball right after the break. What's up? What's up, everybody? This is Russ here at the Sporting Edge, and it is college basketball time. There's nothing in the world I love more than some good college basketball. I was uh, I was given a call. I know some of you listeners know that Mike Sturface has been a been a staple of this show. Usually during college basketball, we have been a- unable to get him due to the three hour time difference we have uh, in Los Angeles and Cincinnati. He'll be on the show. We'll talk if Purdue wins. You know, he's going to be the first person we call. But he reminded me that. Thursday was the year anniversary of my uh, 0-20 night. And m- many of you might not know what that is, but I bet I, th- if you take the statistical odds of gambling on 20 games and you were to win all of them or you were to lose all of them, it is the same as the odds for the lottery. Well, I lost all 20. I sat in a room for 12 hours and watched every single game I bet on go to shits. Honestly, there are zero wins. Not even close. Buzzer beaters just at the most random times to beat the spread. It was ridiculous. It was it was a tough moment. It was about a grand that went down the drain. But that was, I guess, Thursday was the anniversary of it. Got a nice text asking if I was still all right after losing all that money from a year ago. But we're good. You know, we bounced back. My gambling days are a little bit behind me. I mean, I'm still picking spread for you guys. I uh, clearly bet all the mortgages in the world in, during the NFL season, and that didn't pan out the best way. But... We're, uh, we're plugging and chugging, but it's March Madness, so everybody has to gamble. you got to buy your bracket, which is, to me, the most amazing thing in the world. I think if somebody was able to monetize this and run like a business, really promoting, like, hey, join our bracket, here's like all the winning and stuff. Like, yeah, I understand that Yahoo and ESPN do all this stuff, and they probably sell for ad space. But I'm talking about if they were able to cash in, like a Vegas league. I'm sure Vegas has something going on where you have to pay them and everything to get in their pool. But... I, I just think, like, I want to I monetize something. I want to have the Roz bracket. Like, if I could get the sporting edge so big, I just want to help everybody with their brackets. I'll take care of your money. I'll make sure that it goes directly to the winner. I'll be able to check all your brackets and keep you updated on everything. I just kind of want to do that. I want to 
I want to be your bracket guy at some point down the line. But right now, that's not me. Let's uh, let's break it down. By the way, let's get into the tournament, which I'm already having beef with. You know, I mean, clearly I always rant about something. Clearly, something always is coming up that. I don't find right, and this year I think we're going to see a lot of turmoil when it comes to who they're picking for the NCAA tournament. And I'm hoping the committee is just completely ignoring Joe Lenardi. I mean, Joe Lenardi, great guy. Trust me, I, I read his bracketology almost every week it comes out, but I, I really have to be on the other side. I don't really agree with what he's saying this year. I mean, for instance, he has eight Big 12 teams making it into the tournament, which is just idiotic, which is makes me irate, especially when he's only having four Big Ten teams make it. Now, you're saying, how can I be the judge of that? Maybe the Big 12 is good. Maybe the Big Ten is having a down year. Well, I don't, I don't really see it that way. I think that the Big Ten has a couple of the best teams in the country right now, and I don't think Kansas, who is the leader for the Big 12, is really that impressive. I don't think the Big 12 is impressive by any means. I mean, you look at teams like Oklahoma, which were held up so high. Now they're 18 and 13, just losing the first round of the Big 12 tournament. And I don't think they should be in, especially because Joe Lenardi currently has them as the last four in. And the team that he has in the last four out is the team that just beat them with a better record. And I'm, I'm confused. I don't know if Trey Young deserves that much hype. I mean, he clearly lost his player of the year candidacy. He won't be a player of the year anymore. I don't think this Oklahoma team deserves any bit of being in this tournament. I mean, there's a, and there's a couple other teams, I think, in the Big 12 that don't deserve to be in it. <clears throat> I think Baylor doesn't deserve to be in it. Their resume isn't as impressive. Yet, they want to tell me the Big Ten's only going to bring you Ohio State, Purdue, Michigan State, Michigan. And Michigan, because they won the NC, or they won the Big Ten tournament? I mean, come on. There's teams, Penn State, over 20 wins. Nebraska, over 20 wins with quality wins. Penn State beat Ohio State three times this year. I mean, you gotta you gotta look at this. I think the Big Ten is significantly more competitive, and I think they have better talent in the Big Ten. In fact, I'm willing to go out of the line when we start doing a bracket breakdown, and I'm real, I think I'm going to put the Big Ten as far as I can put them. Especially if they only got four teams, they're going to have to represent hard. I mean, currently Lenardi has Ohio State as a five, which you always get scared about. I mean, fives are the ones you, you, you sit in your room and you contemplate: Is this the five twelve upset? Do I need to put this on my bracket? I I need to put an upset somewhere. I just got to knock off one of these fives. That's always like the big contemplation. Like on the first day, you realize, or you don't realize how insignificant those one or two points are on the first two days of the tournament. You really don't. Honestly, you're just nervous. You're like, oh my God, I got to get the upset. Got to get the upset. But really, how many times are you going to have George Mason in the Sweet 16 in your actual bracket? I mean, come on. It's it happens for sure, but I, I, I how often are you the one picking that? But currently, Ohio State at a five, Purdue at a two, which is the highest for the Big Ten. And let me put that out there. So I know that Purdue made it further than Michigan State, but obviously Michigan State ran into Michigan earlier than Purdue did. I I think Michigan State is the best team in this conference. I understand Purdue and what their resume says and who they beat and everything, but Michigan State they beat Purdue. Michigan State has gotten the better of Purdue, and I think would do it again. I didn't think Purdue was going to get past either of those Michigan teams in the Big Ten final. I think them being a two is nice. I think that's the only respect the Big Ten's getting, but I think Michigan State should really be up there. I mean, Michigan State's a three, which is obviously still a good seed, but they think about their entire year. Think about their entire team. They are really a team to be weary of and or wary. I, again, another word I'm going to botch over and over again, but... It's just a team that I think is really going to come out and perform. You know Tom Izzo in the NCAA tournament, and you know him when he's with seniors. I mean, he's going to bring these guys to the Final Four, in my opinion. But they only have him as a three. Michigan, they've even given a three, which is fine. I don't know where they originally were going to have Michigan on this uh, on this poll, but I think Michigan being a three is a pretty nice thing. 
to be honest. I think that's bumping them up. I think that's going to cause havoc. I mean, Michigan, to me, right now is currently reminding me of a UConn team, almost like a Kemba Walker style. I mean, when they won the Big 12 tournament, or not Big 12, when they won the Big East tournament and went on to just troll through the NCAA tournament, I think that's something we're going to see from Michigan this year. I think Michigan's got a really good core of players. Wagner, who is the Big Ten tourney player of the year, I really just think that this is a centerpiece, a team that one can shoot the lights out, but they don't have to live or die by shooting. They also can bang in the post. They can also provide unbelievable defense. I think Michigan's a team to really watch out for. And when it comes down to breaking down the actual bracket when it comes out, I think Michigan's going to be a team that I think gets through. And currently they have Michigan in the same bracket as Villanova. So that's that would be really tough to get through because Villanova, to me, is one of those experienced teams that knows what it's like to be at the top and win the big game. And I think they're prepared to get back there as well. But let me get back real quick on the Big 12 and why I'm so rattled about this. So we only got four Big 10 teams in there. Yet in the Big 12, we're going to have Texas, who is 19-14. Oklahoma, who's 18-13. and You're going to have Kansas who at a one seed, Lenardi. I mean, really? Kansas? The one, they're number nine team in the country. They're a one over eight other teams. I mean, come on. I don't like I don't even think I'm not convinced they're gonna win the Big Twelve tournament. I think Texas Tech is really gonna be that team that's gonna shock them and beat them and win the Big Twelve. So like I said, you get Texas Tech, they have currently at a four seed. K State, who is the only one of the <clears throat> non ranked Big 12 teams that I think should be make, that should make it in. I think they have the resume to prove it. They've beaten the teams they need to beat this year. And their record, I think I think the criteria should be you need to win over 20 games to get in or win your conference tournament. Other than that, I don't think you should get in. I mean, Texas is fine with me if they're going to slip in at 11 and play in a playing game. TCU, they've gotten at 6. I think that's all right. I mean, Jamie Dixon's first season there or second season at his alma mater, TCU, that's good because he won the NIT championship last year. He's bringing them back there. He was underappreciated at Pitt, but TC looks like they're a team on the rebound. And then West Virginia, we know they're ranked and deserve to get in. I think, like I said, I think West Virginia, Texas Tech, Kansas, fine. All those teams, absolutely automatic bids. They're the locks. They've been ranked this season. They've had a good season. TCU and K-State are the only ones I can say, hey, yeah, a little bit of a bubble team, but I think they have the resume to get themselves in. They have 20-plus wins. Boom, I think they're tournament teams. But I don't think a team like Texas, or I don't believe a team like Texas or Oklahoma or Baylor, all who they have at the 11th seed on Lenardi's bracket, should make it over a Penn State or a Nebraska. That blows my mind. Like, where is the respect there? Like I said, Penn State beating Ohio State three times, Penn State over 20 wins, Nebraska over 20 wins. It, last year, it wasn't really much of a discussion. We talked about Northwestern with this win count, and they put Northwestern in. I think it's time to put Nebraska in. I think Nebraska deserve it this year. I think they play in one of the best conferences. I think the Big Ten is just getting overshadowed, and I'm not totally sure why. And the Big 12 to have eight teams, which would be second to the ACC with nine teams, that's ridiculous. I mean, the Big 12 basketball, like there just isn't anything super impressive about it. You, you see the weaknesses there. You see where they, these teams aren't going to be able to compete down the line. I really don't, and I really don't believe Kansas being a number one. That's just, I, I'm, irate, I'm irate about it. It's unbelievable. You're going to put them over a Duke, a team that is playing out of their mind with the best player in the country. You're going to give Duke a two instead of Kansas. Unbelievable. But that's all the time we have this segment. We'll break down the rest of the bracket, or at least the bracketology when we get back. This is Roz here at the Sporting Edge. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report. 
bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back for our third segment. I'm excited to be here. Excited to be talking to you guys. Let's get into a little bit of the first four in, first four out, and the next four out. Because I'm still trying to break that down in my head and figure everything out. So due to Lenardi and CBS being kind of my main sources on checking these things out, they seem to be matching up pretty good. I mean, currently, everybody's first four in are going to be Louisville, or last four in, I apologize, is Louisville, Oklahoma, Syracuse, and USC. Not terrible. I don't agree with Oklahoma, who's 18 and 13. And that would put them in before the first four out of Notre Dame, Arizona State, Utah, and Boise State. By that principle, if they're not going to let Arizona State in, they shouldn't let Oklahoma in. Both of them reaching the heights of the or top 25 this season, both of them absolutely having monumental crashes. Don't really believe in the Oklahoma. I think with eight teams in the Big 12, that would be too much. They're going to need to cut that down. I think the committee is going to leave out Oklahoma. I really do. I think this hype around Trey Young, I think this hype around this team and what the potential is, they don't have that potential anymore. They're not winning now. They haven't been winning now. And I don't think that's going to continue. I mean, they're. I think they're bounced easy. I think if you see Oklahoma in your bracket, boom, pull the trigger, bounce them off your bracket right away. There's not really much of a chance. They don't have any team camaraderie. It's not the Trey Young like game. It is a team game, and Oklahoma does not have that currently. Also, in the last four, we got Louisville, who's twenty and thirteen. We got Syracuse, who's twenty and thirteen, and I think that's some ACC love, and which is okay. Which I'm, somewhat okay with. Let me be honest. I don't think anybody in the Pac-12 deserves it. I don't think anybody in any non-major conference really deserves it. I mean, Boise State's the only one 23-7 with a tough, tough loss in the Mountain West tournament, which is which is really heartbreaking because if they're only going to allow one team from the Mountain West, that's kind of rough. I would say Boise State having the season they had, 23-7, and also Middle Tennessee, the season they had, I really think they need to consider letting those teams in. I think those teams played excellent basketball. They were both ranked at a certain point this season. That Those are two teams I believe should be in, and if the fact that they have Boise State on the first four outline really upsets me. I mean, put them definitely over Oklahoma. Arguably put them over USC, 21-10. and 10. But, I, <clears throat> but I would keep USC as well. I'm not too upset about it. They have the best RPI out of the last four in. Syracuse with a 44, Louisville with a 38, USC with a 35. So Louisville, to me, they got bounced. Syracuse got bounced pretty early in the ACC tournament. I think that that should provide the opportunity for teams like Utah or Arizona State who have had the decent season, who had been ranked to kind of hop back in. Because Syracuse and Louisville, they've really just been kind of mediocre the entire season. Yes, there's teams to beat on. There's teams they're going to beat, and they have one or two key wins apiece, but I really don't think they're the strongest last four in, especially when you have teams like Penn State and Nebraska on the next four out. I mean, I'm telling you, there's just no love for this Big Ten 
conference right now, and it's it's kind of heartbreaking. I mean, in Joe Lenardi, he has Alabama as last four in. I mean, that's he has Alabama, UCLA. I think UCLA gets in. I think UCLA has done enough to provide the Pac-12 with one of their three teams they're going to get in. Obviously, Arizona gets in. USC, UCLA are the other two that Lenardi's predicting get in. But you could have a, a short list of Pac-12 teams this year. I mean, with them both being in the bubble, I, if things or fall out the way they're or not supposed to be falling out, I think you could miss almost the entire Big 12 and then or, or Pac-12, and then there could be scandal-ridden. I mean, think about it. If this Sean Miller thing really blows up and sees the lights of the day, it's almost like the Pac-12's playing with nobody in the tournament this year, which is kind of ridiculous. I mean, Arizona, obviously a great team. Arizona, deserving of what they they have, regardless if they paid the kid $100,000. I think this is a team that has been playing really, really well and deserves their spot, but Pac-12 really doesn't have a whole lot of representation. I know the SEC this year is really up with eight teams. I mean, come on. Eight teams from the SEC are going to make it in. I would love to see that Alabama team, by the way, get in from the SEC. I mean, I don't know if you guys watched the game Thursday. Colin Sexton, one of the coolest things I've seen in a basketball game. I mean, coolest finishes I've seen in a basketball game. It's always good to get those buzzer beaters. It's always good to see like a three-point shot just chucked up. But when you have a guy with 4.3 seconds dribble the entire length of the court to say, hey, I'm going to lay this in your face and win the game. I mean, that was absolutely ridiculous. I don't know how Texas A and I let that happen. I've never seen somebody just dribble through an entire team with four seconds left to finish a hoop like that. I mean, come on. That was one of the most ridiculous finishes I've seen, and it's just the start of March Madness. It's starting to get crazy. It's starting to have that moment. And Texas A&M, like I told you, they were kind of my Baylor that I faded off of. I thought Texas A&M had the foundation for a great team, but due to suspensions and injuries, that's really uh, holding them back. And I know they're going to be. it's going to be questionable whether or not they get in the tournament. I mean, right now, Lenardi has them in as part of that eight team that he has from the SEC going in. But... It's going to be tough losing that game. Alabama, I think, definitely with that win, should propel themselves into the NCAA tournament. I think, obviously, from here on out, they're just helping their their resume and their status and make them sleep easy right before Selection Sunday. But Alabama, very impressed. I think Colin Sexton, one of the best players in college basketball right now, obviously probably a one and done. But it's good to see that there's talent that's hurt. The talent's being dispersed in college basketball. Michael Porter Jr., we got back earlier this week. And that's, that's one of the SEC teams of the eight that I hope gets the opportunity. And I understand I just ranted about how could they give Trey Young the how could they give Trey Young in Oklahoma a spot just clear like purely based off of his like, well I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take it this direction. I think they should give Michael Porter Jr. a shot with Missouri. I know he played terribly, he was five of seventeen. He didn't look like he had a whole lot of bounce. We watched his game. I mean obviously the last thing to get back from a back injury is really that power and that flying ability that, they, that most or most basketball players have and it's going to take a minute but I think that it was a good start I know that they were working the ball a lot to Michael Porter Jr. at the end of the game which is interesting for a guy who missed so much time who's a freshman and they're really focusing on him trying to bring that back like come on you had a team the entire year without him you really should have come together and played uh, to win that game and not just play it through Michael Porter Jr. And But I do want to see the opportunity. I want him to have the opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament. I know he's probably and most likely a one-and-done player, so we won't get to see a whole lot of him. I would love to see him <clears throat> at least go one or two rounds in the NCAA tournament, showing us why he deserves to be the number one pick because Marvin Bagley is absolutely dominating college basketball. So Michael Porter Jr. is definitely going to either have to not play or he's going to have to uh, – 
he's going to have to really step up his game to match that of Bagley if he wants to be the number one overall pick. When it comes to the ACC, let's get back to that because they are the team that's dominating uh, Joe Lenardi's bracketology right now. Duke is my heavy favorite. And like I told you, I think that uh, I provided Duke the push they needed. I told them they needed to play some defense. I told them that they needed to excel in that area. Grayson Allen being a true senior right now, coming through, helping out five of six the other day against <clears throat> Notre Dame in their big win. They obviously played uh, North Carolina on Friday. Don't have really the stats or uh, storyline behind that as I recorded it before the game. But Duke's looking good. Vaguely 33-17 and against Notre Dame. Really NBA numbers right there. You don't get a whole lot of that in college basketball. And I just think that they have that Kentucky vibe, the Anthony Davis-Kentucky vibe. They've got, like they said, similar to their 2014 team with Jaleel Okafor. I really just think that this Duke team is ahead of everybody else right now in college basketball. And I could be wrong. Like I said, North Carolina... I haven't seen the North Carolina Duke game yet, as it hasn't happened. I think that North Carolina is one of those teams that's going to surprise you. Theo Pinson looked absolutely incredible against, um, I'm going to space out here, against Miami, who is the three seed in the ACC. I think Theo Pinson is really a force. Senior this year, he's played four years here. I love teams with veterans, and I think that's a team... UNC that has a ton of veterans are going to sneak up on you in the tournament. I know it's hard to sneak up when you're a two seed, but anyways, I think I think they're a team that could take down a one Xavier or a team like I think they could take down Villanova again. You know, I just think this UNC team is ready to play this or in the tournament, and I think so is Duke. I mean, I could totally see if we got lucky enough a Duke UNC final if they're on the opposite side of the brackets. I mean, that would be absolutely incredible. I mean, both these teams have the drive and have the ability to make it that far. Also in the ACC, you've got teams like Miami coming out. You've got teams like Clemson who had a nice win um, to keep their ACC tournament lives or keep themselves in the ACC tournament. I think the ACC is still to be reckoned with. I know obviously last year they didn't have the greatest uh, time in NCAA tournament. They did win it ultimately. North Carolina is was the last year's champion and everything, but they had a tough stretch to start it off. Whereas the Big Ten had a really unbelievable stretch, and I think that needs to be considered a little bit. Obviously, teams change and everything, but the Big Ten only getting four and the ACC getting nine, it's it shows a little bit of a, a bias, in my opinion, to where they think the strongest basketball in the country is. When I think if you just look in the Midwest, man, you got some really good basketball. But who knows? I think, like I said, Duke and UNC are early favorites of mine to, to advance through this NCAA tournament. I mean... They look, they look ready to go, and there's no doubt in my mind that in the big moments, I would love Marvin Bagley or Grayson Allen having the ball, or Theo Pinson and Joel Berry for UNC. So those are my uh, early picks. That's the ACC. Um, that's pretty much all the time we have this segment, everybody. We'll be back after the break with some other sports talk, whatever else I can conjure up. It's not easy talking for 45 minutes. Let me be very real with you guys. But uh, we'll be back after the break with more Ross here at the Sporting Edge. What's up, what's up, everybody? We are back, and for a final segment, it is a, honestly like a marathon right now. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm sitting here before each segment just thinking, hey, how am I going to do the next 11 minutes by myself? It's really an interesting thing when you're talking to yourself because it's like you're having a conversation. I just feel like I'm kind of talking to you guys, but I'm not. None of you are responding to me. It's really just one-on-one here with myself, and um, it's, it's like a 
boring ping pong match because you want to spew something and hope you get something back that's really going to test you, really going to make you think about your stance or position, but you're not getting it back. Like, honest to God, I could say whatever I'm feeling right now. Like, I could say that the Patriots are the worst team in NFL history, which isn't true, but nobody's here to refute me. It's kind of a weird thing being on your own doing a show by yourself. It's really just... I don't know how Coward does it. Either you have the absolute confidence in the world that whatever you're saying, you're 100% right, or you just... uh, Or you're just arguing with yourself, which I I can do. It just would probably be weird, and somebody would want to send me to an asylum, you know? But it's college basketball. It's the main focus. We've been talking about, obviously, the real bracket isn't out until tomorrow for most of you guys who are listening to the show. But it's uh, what right now we got games like Alabama, who's up 20 on Auburn, really, I think, solidifying their case. They'll be in the NCAA tournament. But I thought it would be cool as i just give you a kind of a quick rundown of who's already in the tournament, give you a little bit of my thoughts on them and where they could uh, really shine or perform. Obviously, not all the conference tournaments have concluded, but we have a decent amount of automatic bids already handed out. We'll start here in the uh, Atlantic Sun, 23-9, a very decent year for the Lipscomb Bisons. That's a team that's gonna that could shock you if they're not a 16 seed. That's a team that I think camaraderie, a team that is ready to prove themselves. One of those upset teams to look out for. I think the Atlantic Sun deserves a little bit of respect. Their leading scorer, Garrison Matthews, averaging 21.7 points per game. I mean, they're a team that can score. I mean, in the title game, they won 108 to 96. I mean, I don't know what that means defensive wise, but they beat Florida Gulf Coast, a team that. For sure, thought they were going to the NCAA tournament. They unfortunately lost by 12 in one of the most high-scoring games of the postseason so far. So watch out for this Bison's team. I think this is a team that is uh, is really excited for their. It's going to be their first tournament appearance, which is first off incredible, and congratulations to them. But this is a team that you know what their first tournament appearance. They're going to want to fight, almost like a Middle Tennessee in my in my mind. But we also have in the Big South, 22 and 12, the Redford Highlanders. And I got to tell you, I watched that game. You might not believe me, but this is going to be their third appearance. The last time they were in the NCAA tournament was 2009. They beat Liberty 55-52 in a very low-scoring and slow-paced, ugly basketball game. I don't have a whole lot for Redford. I believe that they're going to be a 16 seed. I think they're going to get walked by whoever they play. They weren't very impressive. Honestly, it was just a bunch of kids chucking up shots that weren't falling, and it was they got lucky to make one more basket than their the opposing team. Big Ten, obviously... Which was an interesting format. The fact that I used to love that the Big Ten was the last one to finish up. That you were like, oh, i got to wait for this Big Ten game to end before we find out what the selection committee has decided. I don't know how I felt about them being earlier than everybody else. I think I paid attention to it less. I think I would have loved to have paid attention more to this Michigan team who was just on a roll. Finishing the season 28-7. and This will be their 28th tournament appearance. They beat Purdue 75-66 after beating Michigan State two of the perennial teams in this conference. I wish I just had more of an opportunity to watch that, and I think that's what is offered when the Big Ten is really closing out the conference championship week. So it's tough. I'm upset I missed most of it, but we got more to Wagner with 14.5 points per game as their leading scorer. Like I said, Michigan Wolverines are, are, I think they're destined for a huge run in this NCAA tournament. Obviously, I've been wrong about a lot of things, mostly in the NFL arena, but I think that this is this is one of those Roz picks that I feel very, very confident about. Then we move down to the Colonial Conference, where the Charleston Cougars, who finished the season 26-7, and won in overtime over Northeastern 83-76. to Their leading scorer, Grant Ryler, at 18.6 points per game. They're, uh, they're one of those teams, again, that probably low-end 15-16 seed. 
that I think it's bounced. I don't think I don't have a whole lot of confidence. I didn't watch them play. I just don't. Again, I don't know a whole lot about them. The last time they were in the NCAA tournament was 1999. This will be their fifth appearance. So, congratulations to them winning the Colonel. But I, uh, I think it kind of ends there. And then my favorite conference, which had the Battle of the Ohio's in the Horizon League, we had Wright State versus Cleveland State. Wright State finishing the year 25 and nine, and ultimately winning the Horizon League championship, 74-57 over Cleveland State. Pretty dominating performance in the championship game. This is another team, 13 seed, 14 seed. So maybe take a, you maybe take a flyer on them if you're picking an upset. You know, Wright State. This is their third appearance, first since 2007. Their leading scorer is Grant Benzinger at 14.4 points per game. Again, this is really kind of a flyer team. You kind of go out on. Um, not sure if uh, you guys feel confident with them, but I like the Horizon League. I used to go to UIC games when I was younger. Obviously, this isn't a UIC team. This is a Wright State team, but who knows? We'll, uh, we'll, I'm going to pass a flyer on them. Ivy League, by the way, just a quick note, is in their first tournament year, so that should be really exciting. Last year's champion was Princeton in the Missouri Valley. This one's awesome. The Missouri, the, I'm so excited to announce this one. Loyola of Chicago, the Ramblers of the Missouri Valley, won. They're 28-5 this season. They beat Illinois State. I mean, I think this is so cool. This is going to be their sixth appearance and the first time since 1985. Last time the Chicago Bears won the Super Bowl. Fun fact. They're, lead, they're led by scorer Clayton Custer at 13.7 points per game. And like I said, they won 65-49 over Illinois State in the Missouri Valley. This is a team, hey, watch out. Honest watch out alert right here. This is one you're going to want to put on. There could be a 13, 14, 15 seed that's going to scare a two. I'm going to tell you, they're going to scare a two out here. And that's uh, that's the real potential for from the Missouri Valley. I feel confident in myself maybe taking Loyola, or confident in myself taking Loyola Chicago Ramblers in, uh, in an upset pick. Then we head over to the Northeastern Conference, or LIU Brooklyn, the Blackbirds. They finished the season 18 and 16, so not as not as glorious of a record as I've been announcing for others. They beat Wagner 71-61 in the finals. They're led by scorer Joel Hernandez, who is averaging 20.5 points per game, and this is their seventh team appearance. This will be the first time they've made the tournament since 2013. They're a definite 16th seed and a definite out, so that's pretty much all I can say about that. Ohio Valley, this is where it gets interesting. This is a team I have bad blood with. Murray State. Racers. They finished 26-5, and beating Belmont, another one of those tournament teams that really slips in through the cracks for being one of those teams that upsets teams. But they won the game 68-51 over Belmont. They're led by scorer Jonathan Stark, averaging 21.8 points per game. This is their 16th appearance and first since 2012 when they beat Louisville. And that was the most heartbreaking, crushing, knocking out of an Elite Eight team that I had that year. Murray State upsetting Louisville on one of the greatest shots I've seen. Um... So they're back, and they're back with a vengeance. I think this is a Murray State team you can you can bet on. I think you can, one, take the line, and two, obviously pick them in your tournament as an upset team. To, so I, led by Starks, I'm liking the Murray State where they're at. Patriot League also d- delivering us another one of those fantastic upset teams. Bucknell Bisons finishing 25-9 and this year, just obliterating Colgate in the title game, 83-54. to They're led by Zach Thomas, their leading scorer, 28.7 points per game. This will be their eighth appearance, and this is back-to-back years for them, actually. They were in the tournament as well last year. Last year, we Bucknell was on our list of teams we bet on that unfortunately didn't come through with us. But, uh, but Bucknell, this is another upset team you should really watch out for. I think they're poised to be a 13 or 14 decent record this year. I really like Bucknell. I really like Murray State as my kind of upset teams, as well as Loyola Chicago. Don't let me forget that. 
Then we move over to the SOCON Conference, where USC Greensboro, who will most likely be a 15 or 16 seed, finished 27-7. They beat East Tennessee State 62-47 in a not very close game. They're led by scorer Francis Alonzo, 15.9 points per game. There's no stat on how many times they've been in the tournament, so unfortunately I cannot tell you what number this will be for them. But this is a quick out. This is one of those teams you don't really have to think much about. They're going to be bounced pretty early on. Um, lastly, we got the Summit League South Dakota State Jackrabbits finishing 28-6, making their fifth appearance, led by Mike Dom, 23.8 points per game. That's a scary team. I, that's one I would tell you to watch out for. And obviously in the West Coast, you got 30-4 Gonzaga, beating BYU 74-54. Jonathan Williams leading them with 13.6 points per game. This is their 21st appearance in the NCAA tournament, and I'm not confident with them ever, so I won't be confident with them this year. That's all the time we have this week, everybody. This has been Roz for you, 45 straight minutes of Roz. Hope you guys enjoy the show. We hope to get you back next week. And Wits will be back with a new microphone. This is The Sporting Edge with Wits and Roz. Everybody have a fantastic Selection Sunday. Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM.